Lickin' on Lending. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us. Welcome to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news, all related to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Transformational Mortgage Solutions. To participate in today's program, our guest call in line is 646-716-4972. Now here's your host of Lickin' on Lending, David Lickin. Let's begin. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you to the podcast. It's Labor Day, September 6th. I hope you're enjoying your holiday. We're sitting here doing a podcast. They say find something you enjoy doing and you'll never work another day of your life. This isn't work. This is fun. I'm just so excited to be able to join you live. I was listening to another podcast that I was recorded on. It was Alec Hansen. I couldn't hardly listen to it, folks, because I was so amped up. I was so excited to be there with Alex. So whatever you do, don't listen to that interview. It was good about storytelling. But, oh, my gosh, it was like I was on three cups of espresso and a bunch of sugar lumps. It was high energy. But anyway, we love doing this podcast. We're so glad that you're listening to it. This podcast does get listened to. My daughter's home from work. She's uh, up in Dallas and some of her associates at Willowbend. We don't listen to all of them, Dad, but we, we get them on. And we do watch it. I think it's pretty cool that you're doing this. So we hear that from so many. So thank you so much, everybody. Again, this podcast is created by Mortgage Professionals. It is for Mortgage Professionals. We're glad to have you as our listener. Obviously, I am in holiday mode. I mean, uh, day off mode. So we're not following this script quite a sight. Again, really what we're committed is to bring you timely information in an audio format that you can listen to anytime and anywhere. And we've got some great content. Um, most of the regulars are off today. So we're uh, Alice was texting me earlier. She says, hey, not a lot in the legislative update, but we've got Les Parker's here. The MBA's mortgage business is not here today, but we've got an update on macro view of the market. So we'll get with Les in just a minute. But talking about that podcast with Alex, I think there's a consequence to listening to podcasts or books on tape at 125 to 150%. What's resulting is that I am picking up my rate at which I speak. So I've gone back and listened to some of my podcasts here, and there's times where I have these bursts where it's just coming at you like a machine gun. So uh, we welcome your feedback on anything we can do better. I'm always about improving. I'm 71 years old, 47 years in this industry. I love it. But we're always working on improving, which is a great segue into what our hot segment is. It's Tony Keiko. He is the founder and president of Affinity 5. The focus of this interview that you're going to hear will be about you and your job, your career, and, and how it aligns with your skill set, dreams, and purpose. And um, there's some really great information there. I call Tony Keiko your career Sherpa. He should be the guy that's guiding you up the career mountain. And I think he does just does an excellent job. You're going to hear about it in the Hot Topic segment in just a few minutes because we don't have a lot between now and then. There are some things I want to talk about, though, because as we're focusing in on careers and career development, leadership development, what's really interesting, one of the fastest growing segments of the Transformational Mortgage Solutions consulting business and coaching business is the coaching on leadership. And we're going to be talking in just a minute about something that I found is a very useful tool. So I'll get into that in just a minute. Thank you to our sponsor, the Mortgage Bankers Association of America, Finaster, with their Fusion Mortgage Bot Solution, as well as Lenders One and the Mortgage Collaborative and the Community Mortgage Lenders of America, and Incelerate, Josh Friend, and our friends over at Knowledge Coop, uh, Mobility MMI, Modex. There's so many others. You can check them all out on our sponsorship page. I encourage you to do so. Also, 
special thank you to all of our regulars. I pray and hope they have a relaxing three-day weekend with this Labor Day holiday. So these are some of the things that we're doing, and you're going to hear Tony in the interview we're about to play get in and talking about we got to get deeper in the weeds. He's going to be talking about that what has happened from managers from yesterday to today. This is really interesting. Tony Keiko is a great resource to me personally and to many, many of my clients. And I believe you're going to enjoy this interview. So without further ado, let's get over to listen to my friend, Tony Keiko. Folks, he is a celebrated recruiter and has helped shepherd the career of many executives and has done an amazing job of it. When we're looking to find executives for one of our clients, he's become the go-to guy, not just because he gets his good people, but how he has guided the careers of many, many executives. There's a lot of wisdom here, so I hope you enjoy this interview. Tony, good to have you joining us, friend. Great to be here, my friend. Yeah, let's start off with talking about how careers have changed, the evolution of the executive careers, things that have changed and things that have not changed. Talk about that, please. Yeah, I think so, Dave. My expertise really lies within the financial services, real estate lending, primarily mortgage banking arena. My sense is when I talk to recruiters in other industries that there are similar changes in those industries too. But today, for the purposes of our conversation today, I think we'll talk mainly about the mortgage business because that's kind of what you and I are in every day. I do executive recruiting in and around the mortgage business. So anything mortgage origination related, vendor related, support related, anything in the mortgage business are are things that I focus on. I've sort of morphed into more executive role. When I first opened my organization about three years ago, I did a lot of production business uh, and I still do some of that, but I primarily do executive work now. So I, I get to talk to a lot of executives, which I really love to do because I personally was in the business as a mortgage executive for 17 years. So what's great is when I get to talk to individuals that are either going through or had gone through some of the things that I had gone through in the business. As you know, Dave, the, our industry changes so rapidly. The ebbs and flows of the interest rate environment, the ebbs and flows of technology, outsourcing, all the things that change in our industries. At times, executives find themselves in a spot where they need to make changes. You're talking about executives are finding changes within their staffing or how they're hiring or within themselves or all of the above. We're going to say all the above, but namely for our conversation today within themselves. So, you know, we want to stay focused on the executives themselves because their skill sets sometimes evolve into what the changes are in the industry. Sometimes they don't. So sometimes as an executive, you need to change what you were doing into what's more relevant in the industry today. I can give you a relevant example of that from myself and my own experience. And a lot of executives I talk to have gone through this. So back when I was in an executive role in the mortgage business, I was in third party as a manager. And at that point in time, the business was thriving. And the manager at that point in time really needed to be a strong leader. So I spent a lot of time on leadership books that I studied over the years, helped me to be a strong leader, helped me to know how to do a PowerPoint presentation, to be able to speak in front of a large group of people. You know, those things were very prevalent back when I was in the industry as a manager. But things changed over time, I noticed. In today's modern world, managers that have similar jobs that I had back then need to be more utilitarian in nature, Dave. You really need to know what's going on. It's still about leadership, but you're talking about you need to get deeper into understanding what's going on. So utilitarian, you could almost say you have to have strong technical skills in order to do this. There's no question because it's really about value which is right. really the next topic here. It's about the value that you represent in the marketplace. 
the leadership qualities that I talked about before are always important. Companies always need strong leaders. They always need people to manage the team, to have the respect of the team. But in order to do that in this market these days, like modern day, present day, you better know what they're doing and you better know how to do what they're doing. If you want to get the respect and be able to keep up with the changes that are going on, you better know what they are because you will lose a position to an up-and-coming executive that understands the technology better, that understands the process better, that understands how things that have evolved better than you may have. I'm thinking over the industry in my 47 years in it, hard to believe, and I'm thinking about this and realizing I've always prided myself in being a good technician and a good leader, but you're saying this has become more so. But I do remember so much. Remember the Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac representatives that used to call on us and there was so much about, hey, let's go out. They got a great dinner, that great bottle of wine, all that. And it's like I could care less about that. I really cared less about it back then. But you're saying, what are you going to do for me today? And you're really talking about the measurable items that revolved in the details and the uh, metrics of the business, correct? That's exactly right. So you were a step ahead of me. So I was the opposite of what you just described. I was the one who was the relationship person. I focused in on the recruiting, on the sales, on the leadership. Right. I never got caught up in the details. And at that point in time in my career, it is what the industry needed. It's what my team needed. But as things started to change, I realized that I had to change. For me, anyway, morphing back into recruiting, I shifted into doing it full time. And so, in other words, I thought that's who I was. My identity was kind of tied up in that. And I realized that because I wasn't up to speed on the technical skills and the loan process and all the details that I needed, I had to either learn that stuff or go do something else. So I went and did something else. Talking about how leadership has morphed in the details. I mean, leadership is leadership, people think, and yes, it is. But when you're leading a group of people about the details, what I'm hearing you say is it is really important that you know those details and you be able to communicate and relate to those that you're leading about the specific metrics. I want to really draw in on that because people could almost hear you saying it initially was focused on leadership. Now it's focused on details. I mean, how are you moving leadership into the details? So it was always important to be involved with the details. But Mm -hmm. in our business, in certain times, it was less important because loans were just coming in. But now it's more important because when the market starts to shift – because the people that are on your team need to be led with somebody that's going to lead them in the direction to improving their business. And it's not how I'm going to talk to a customer. It's what can I describe to you about your customer through our technology, through the way we can do business, that's going to make you a better salesperson. So there's two different things. And the latter thing I just said is really critical in today's market. So the leadership is always important, but leading by example through technology specifically is very, very important. Some of them, like me, didn't stay up on it. So fortunately for me, I had other skills to draw back upon. So I was able to go back into recruiting, which is what I do now. It's important that you find your sweet spot, which is really get into what is your purpose. And I always ask people, what's your why? Why are you doing this? And if you don't have a solid why, which is really why and purpose are joined together, one's the left hip, one's the right hip. I think they're both right there at the foundation of who we are and what we're doing. And then your purpose is found in really what you can do really well. And I think like yours is recruiting. So you said, no, my real sweet spot, my real purpose, my real why is my ability to recognize talent and develop talent. Yes, that's somewhat true. I would say that the purpose and the why is more geared around helping others 
improve their careers is the why. It goes back to a strong faith that I have. And my goal is to really just wake up every day putting one foot in front of the next to help just the next person and do the next right thing. So my why would be centered on helping others, which kind of always has been. But as a recruiter, it's what I believe one of the things that separates me apart is I'm able to connect with people and they know by talking to me that I'm interested, putting them in a better spot than they're in now. Isn't that a great why for anything we're doing is to helping people and making it less about your compensation, your deal. It should be about helping others. I think so. I mean, the, the old saying is the more time you spend helping others, your life enhances in correlation with that all the time. So another thing to consider is that your purpose and your life stage also sometimes changes. So you get married, you have kids, things get different, the industry changes. You realize that your skill set is a little different. So sometimes it's very important to be aligned with the purpose and make sure if there needs to be a change, that you talk to somebody. You talk to somebody like me about that somebody's a career shepherd or a recruiter or a consultant like yourself that can walk somebody through that because it's sometimes difficult to figure out because we can get wrapped around the axles, as you know, in the quagmire of the mortgage business. We get stuck. You know, we get stuck in a job. We get stuck in a place where we're just busy, busy, busy. And next thing you know, we've lost sight of our purpose because we're just taking care of the things and we're not aligned with the bigger purpose of our lives. Because if we're not aligned with that, then when we wake up in the morning and go to do our job, we don't feel the same way. People that knew you back then would say that this is a completely different Tony Keiko that's out there and uh, making a difference in lives. Because you were, you might say you were a lot about yourself back then. It's funny. I think I was. Although there was something inside led me into really being a good relationship person and caring for people. My actions were different than my past. I did a lot of things for my own self-worth and my own identity, right. where now I don't. Those have been the changes in me. But I think, Dave, if you align that with your career, some people like to try and separate it. And I don't think you really can. Because if you try and separate that, you try and be one person to your family and another person to your business relationships, you're going to cross lines. And your family is going to get crossed up when you're trying to be Mr. Businessman. And your business people are going to get crossed up when you're trying to be Mr. Family Man, you really just need to be Dave all the time. You need to be who you are, genuinely. <laughs> and, have, and have good boundaries. I love one of the books I'm yeah. uh, going back and reading again is Boundaries for Leaders by Dr. Henry Cloud. I love that book. It's one that's speaking, again, to many executives about leadership. And it's having good boundaries. It's being a leader at home, being a good leader in your work, and it's really caring about others. And I think that's always been there, but I think we do get wrapped up in the details. And we certainly have had one of those industries recently that has – demanded so much of anybody and everybody in it. And how are you coaching and shepherding those that are coming to you through these times where there's so much incredible demand on their time and struggling with the balance, work-life balance? Yeah. Yeah. Great question. So I think for me that care, authenticity, transparency, these are verbs they're not nouns, right? Mm-hmm. So you can sit around and talk, and guys like you and I talk for a living, right? And I kind of do too. I'm a recruiter, right? So I'm talking all the time. So we can spend hours talking to somebody and really not do anything. It's about action. Like when you're talking to somebody, I'm talking to an executive, I help them put plans in place. Okay, let's do a circle of personal perspective. Let's take a look at your life, your spirituality, your work, your career, your children, your family, your economics, the money that you're earning. Let's talk about all that stuff. And that does put a plan together in place. So I like to follow up on things that I say 
with things that I do. Yeah, which really gets well, us into the measurement part of this thing. Because what you're talking about, a lot of people say, I aspire to do this, I want to do this. And then you come back and say, well, how are you measuring it? I'm finding people go, they have ideals, they have admirable goals and objectives, they have things that they're wanting to accomplish that you and I would both say that aligns with our values. But when you ask them how they're measuring it, I'm working out again. I can carry this amount of weight. I lift this much, push this much. Now I'm recognizing how many more reps I could do, and there's a measurement component to that. Talk about that. Well, it's really interesting because you have to have source. Everybody has a different source. Mine is my faith, right? And so there's an analogy of a police dog. So if you look at a police dog and how a police dog is trained, and you watch a video of a police dog, the police dog doesn't do anything unless the owner tells him to do something. So there's a source. He's looking up at the owner. For me, it's my faith, and I have something that I go to look towards when I want to make a decision. So it's like my home base. So everybody needs a home base, and it's attached to your purpose, and it's your sort of ethos for your life. If you don't have a home base, you're not going to get the first, second, or third. right? you got to have a home base. And that helps me keep everything in perspective, especially when I'm helping others. And I share a lot of this because, listen, I own my own company, so I can. We have to understand that there are people that work for organizations. You can't share a lot of personal things. I get that. For me, I do because I can, and it is my ethos, and it is my home base. So that's why I share. And it keeps me lined up when I'm helping others with what is the next right thing to do. And that's what helps me be authentic to them. They sort of know where I'm coming from. And so they're going to get the same type of response every single time. But that's not substitution for a plan. Like you said before, you got to have a plan. you got to put it down on paper. you got to put goals down, and you got to have measurements. And you really need to do that. I would recommend once a year, let's look at your goals, look at your ethos, your circle of personal perspective, however you do it. It's like the first book I wrote, My Back Nine. It had nine key components of life. The goal was your second half of your life. You want it to be different from your first. At least I did. (laughs) So I wrote a book about the nine key components of life, family, spirituality, career, health and fitness. So each year I measure where I am on all those nine components. I think it's a healthy exercise. The name of the book is The Back Nine? My first book is called My Back Nine. My Back Nine. What's your second book? My second book is going to be out in a month. It's called Restoration by Water's Edge. I love it. And I think it is when we shift our focus to having it be about others. And I think you do then. At that point, you do run out of things. And that you were talking about the quiet time. I just had that same hour plus quiet time in the morning. I think it's so wonderful that you have found a way to bring that into the marketplace and guiding people because people are hungry. I think you're right, especially in this day and age that we're in now with just what's happened in Afghanistan and what's happened in our world without faith. I don't really know what you can hang your hat on. You really can't hang your hat on technology or the company that you work for or even the people that are in your life. I mean, there has to be an overarching theme, and I think it's very important to have that true north. And, you know, one of my topics here was when to retire. Like, I have no desire to retire. I'm pushing retirement age, too. Like, I've been at this for a while, and I have friends that have already retired. But uh, I see no reason to retire. I love doing what I do. I get to help people on a daily basis, get them in a better position. One of the things I say often to candidates is that, listen, if I can't put you in a better spot, I'm not going to do the deal. That's really getting to a good point. When is it important to change careers? I mean, when someone feels locked in, I, I have a faith, I can't talk about it. I can't do this. I can't do that. When is it important to stay and when is it important to make it change? Number one, there's a personal skill set that changes and you don't enjoy what you're doing anymore. That's something to consider because that happens over time. Your skill set changes. You like to do different things now. You're not in the right job. Maybe you can 
get into a different job with your own organization, pursue into your skill set and what your purpose is and how all that ties together, that's a good time to change. Or the culture of your organization doesn't align with your purpose. You see them changing. You see the things that they do. I get involved with a lot of conversations with executives that, listen, I just don't believe in this culture anymore. And uh, we always talk about doing something bigger than ourselves, right? Well, if you're not sure about the whys behind the whats and the whens in your organization, it may be time to consider a change. And so the whys are really important. And this doesn't only ring true for executives, Dave. It really rings true for even young professionals going into the business. One of the things I write in my new client introduction letter is that I like to stay focused on the young generation, too, coming into the business. And a lot of them are very idealistic, but they also have learned much all? more than we did when we were younger, and they're already concerned about the whys behind the whats. I think the key is the millennials who are coming in, they are really looking less about making the money. The money is important. you got to make money. They want to buy houses and want to enjoy the benefits of what money can bring you. But if it doesn't align with their purpose, they're not into it. And I think the older executives that are leading this business are not really aware of how important it is to publish and state and restate and build a vision around what is your company's purpose and get the executives and the leaders, the managers within that, my purpose. A company's purpose is the sum total of an alignment, everybody's purpose in there. And I think we can name companies by name. And you, you find those that have found a way to align with the values of their company. And I think this is something that many executives today need to wake up and realize. How are you communicating the values of your company and of yourself? This is gold. This is diamond in the rough stuff, Dave. This is really important. What I do every single day is directly tied to what you're saying. Like when I'm evaluating a candidate and I'm asking them questions, I'm already thinking about what the culture is of the organization because mm-hmm. the company needs to have a culture. They need to have an identity. But I did want to go back to something you said a minute ago about money, and I want to be crystal clear on this. This is one of these, you know, let's be completely transparent messages here. Money is important, and it's not necessarily the most important, but it typically is. And if it's not the most important, it's right up there with culture. It's right up there with identity. And so what happens a lot is some people, they reduce the focus on money, and that sometimes doesn't enable them to get the right talent because you have to address it. One of the things I do – You're talking about the hiring company. The company is hiring. They say, no, we're more about values than the money. Exactly right. It's a trap because they're trying to maybe save money or not focus on the right thing. They're equally important, and it's something that I always try and stay focused and real. Right, This person's making X amount of dollars at this job. We're going to hire him for this job. So unless we have X amount of dollars and we have all of the other things, maybe you're going to complement the pain points that this person has. Now we're getting towards an offer. But if we have to overcome the objection of compensation, that's sometimes a huge Great objection point. to overcome. And I think especially when it comes to your side of the business where you're recruiting and bringing someone in, I think once someone is in a job, then they have the money. It is what it is, kind of one of those things that they need to take care of good people. Otherwise, people like you are going to be out talking to them and taking underpaid people out of their position and lining them with a better situation. And I think you all run that risk with the people that we're working with in our organization. If you keep the relationship going. You make sure you answer the whys behind the whats. You make sure that they know that they're valued. So it's not only the value you want to have as an executive, but as an executive that is charged 
with the careers of other people, mm-hmm. not in charge, charged, right? Big difference. Yep. With the careers of other people, it's important that you keep them close by going back to what I said about transparency and honesty, and those are verbs, not nouns. Those are action items yep. that keep items. people attached to you without you know, using glue. Yeah, and I think many of us get focused on the metrics of the performance side of it and can miss that, and I certainly have struggled with that. Tony, I'm thinking of someone who's sitting at the job listening to this, and they're going, you know what? Just, this does not align with me. And what do I do about this? Do I pick up the phone and call you? Do I take risks? Isn't it scary? How do you speak to the person that is saying, I don't know that I'm aligned, both from the why and I'm being underpaid? How do you advise people to start thinking about their future? Yeah, great question. The first word that comes to mind, David, is trust. So when you're in that situation, changing jobs is very, very difficult. The most important thing is to communicate with people that you trust. You're always a couple degrees of separation. You know, you and I do very similar things. You're just a couple degrees away from getting somebody on the phone that you can talk through this with. And when I say trust, it's going to be a recommendation. You recommend people to me all the time. And when I get them on the phone... There's trust already established. So that's the first and foremost, the most important thing is to find someone that you can talk with. There's a lot of great recruiters out there, and there's a lot of folks that are transparent and do care and will give you the time to talk through things with you. It's not always attached to the dollar. As a matter of fact, almost in every conversation I have, I say that exact thing. It's not all about the money for me. If I can eventually get a fee from the nature of our relationship, awesome, but that's not what it's about. It's about having a conversation, helping somebody. A lot of my day is spent in conversations like this. So if you're that executive sitting at the desk, you need to go to somebody that you trust to start a conversation. You need to talk to people. You know, we're wired for relationship. We're born, knitted in our mother's womb for relationship, to spend time with people. And the worst thing someone in that position can do, Dave, is isolate. Mm Because if you isolate, you start doing calculations in your head and – at night, you're thinking about things until you get sick and you're not talking to somebody. I would say that's number one. Yeah, I think there's a fork in the road because there's who you talk to, too. I like something Marsha Davies said in an interview I did. People are like elevators. They're either going to take you up or they're going to take you down. And I think it's who you're talking to that makes such a difference. I'm sure Marsha is quoting someone else, but that's who I heard say that statement. I love that statement. You know, there's a lot of people that I get on the phone with you and they'll just commiserate with you. Yeah, that's not helping you. No, it's like the story of the chicken and the pig. You ever hear that one? So the chicken and the pig is a good one. So there's a farmer who grew up in South Carolina. He had chickens and pigs. And the chicken coop was right next to the pig pen. The pigs got all bent out of shape because the chickens every day, they're running around, they're cackling, they're commiserating with each other, they're complaining. And the pig says to the chicken one day, chicken, what are you doing? Chicken says, yeah, you know, we got to run around all day, we got to do this, and we got to make a contribution to breakfast every single day. The pig says, let me understand this correctly. You're complaining? about running around and making a contribution to breakfast. Let me explain something to you, chicken. I am breakfast. But I think it's so important to really focus in on who you're talking to, and it's so important to get that. That's a great place to launch off into how can people reach you to talk with you. Yeah, so my website is affinity5.com, and I'm on LinkedIn. I spend the majority of my day on LinkedIn. So you can connect with me on LinkedIn, Tony Kaiko, C-A-I-C-O. Either one of those two places is great. And then I guess we can leave my phone number and email on here somewhere. Correct. Yeah, we'll put that down in the show notes, but your phone number is just for those that are driving, want to write it down. Yeah, 904-395-3000. 
3515. My email address is tony.kaiko, C-A-I-C-O, at affinity5spelledout.com. Perfect. I encourage you to get a hold of Tony about different situations we're working with and clients and the wisdom that comes out of him as he looks at it. You know, it's not someone who just tells you what you need to do. It's the person that asks the right questions. And Tony, I think that's the thing you're most famous for is asking the right questions of both the hiring company and the potential person being hired. It's awesome. Awesome. Thank you, Dave. Appreciate you, friend. Tony, thank you so much for being here with me today. Really appreciate you, value what you do and what you're doing for their industry and what you've done for the lives of many. And I'm sure you're going to be doing a lot more of that in the future. Get a hold of Tony Kaiko. Talk to him about your career. Find out what's going on. Hiring managers, if you're struggling, why don't you pick up the phone call Tony? He'll help you sort through what you're doing or not doing to keep the talent that you have. Because if you don't, someone else will. Tony, for thanks sure. so much. Talk to you soon. Thanks, Dave. I enjoyed listening to that interview again. In fact, that's the third time I've listened to it. The story of the chicken and the pig, the way that got edited, it did, you didn't hear me laughing at that. Maybe I was laughing in a weird way. And Nikki, bless her heart, <laughs> tried to help me out. But anyway, there was, you know, I am breakfast. And you realize how we look at things so differently. But there's a number of points that Tony made in there. It's the only one thing I would say that I am noticing, especially with millennials. I'm thinking of one particular company who lost a top, top executive. It was an up-and-comer in the executive world. And this individual got promoted quick for the organization. And they were always worried about losing her and didn't want to lose her. But guess what? They just lost her. You know why? It wasn't about the money in that case. So that's one thing I'd say. It is about the money until it isn't about the money. And and you say, like, what do you mean by that, Dave? And I think it that's where I'm finding millennials for sure. And Gen Zers, as you see them come into the marketplace, they're going to be more about the purpose, the why, the what, and the what, how, and why behind what you're doing. And in this particular case, this executive left and took a cut in pay to go into a company that best aligned with their personality, with their why, what they're about. And it really spoke to me about how easy it is for us to miss on that. I just gave you a raise. How could you be leaving? Well, you're not speaking to my wife. I don't feel there's a good alignment. Boy, I tell you, there's so much wisdom in that. I wrote down a ton of notes we could get into all over that. But what I tell you do, just go back and listen to this podcast. It was one of those interviews that's really, really good. It'll show up in the Hot Topic segment, and it'll also show up just in our regular podcast because of the abbreviated nature, because of Labor Day. Hope you're enjoying your Labor Day, wherever that may be. On the lake, I'm thinking of several people out on the lake. I kind of wish I was out there, but at the moment, it's hot here in Texas. But we're grateful, so grateful for you to be a listener and sharing this podcast with so many. You are valued and appreciated. And also, I'd love to get some feedback on the six types of working geniuses, the Berkman. What I said just before we brought Tony on, some of my comments there. I'd love to hear from you on that. So have a great week, everybody. Look forward to having you back here next week. And be sure to share this podcast with others and tell others about the podcast. That's how we've grown to become the oldest. We're in our 13th year and uh, certainly have become one of the more popular ones out there. So we welcome all the others. And yes, Alec Hansen did a fabulous job of the interview. I just was frustrated with how fast I spoke. Listen to it. I'd love to hear your feedback. I called Alec. I said, did you speed that thing up? He goes, no, Lickin, we did not speed that up. You were on fire, dude. So anyway, appreciate you all out there working and making efforts to improve the lives of those around you. Hopefully you're doing it in such a way that you keep all the talent you have. If not, call Tony Kaiko. He will help you realize what you could need to change. Talk to you soon. Have a great one. Bye-bye. 
You've been listening to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lickin of Transformational Mortgage Solutions. Join us next week 